Episode 20, Authentically You, the podcast. So today, I wanted to talk about sexuality. One of my favourite topics to talk about, uh, something that I'm really passionate about, probably because it's the thing that I've struggled with the most. Um, And by the way, when I mention the word sexuality... What I actually mean is sexuality in its entirety. I don't just mean your uh, preferred gender. So, with that being said, let's have a little chat. So I wanted to talk about basically how there's a lot of stigma around male sexuality. Now, I want to take this right back to the start. So, obviously that stigma is passed down from generation to to generation. um, But it's also societal. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. And I want to ask you a question. So, did you have a good male role model when you were growing up? That you could go to and talk to about sex and going through, you know, puberty and uh, masturbation and all the things that, you know, all the urges that you have as a teenage boy. Did you have someone, or at the very least, did you have someone that you could look up to that really kind of... um, Uh, presented a just a, a healthy way to um, kind of be in relationship and uh, express his sexuality. D- d- did you have someone in your life like that growing up? Now, I would hazard a guess and say probably not. Uh, which. I mean, obviously, comes with its own problems. But when you think about just how powerful those urges were when you were going through puberty, I, I can remember, I don't know, like 12, 13, 14, 15. Fucking hell. I, and that there are definitely going to be some uh, explicit um, <laughs> themes in this podcast. So... If you're not open to that, then, I mean, what the fuck are you doing listening to my podcast anyway? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can definitely remember being, like, you know, a young teen. Um, and probably right up until, like, early 20s, really. Um, <laughs> I'll go into my kind of, uh, like, you know, 30s and stuff later on in the podcast. But, yeah, honestly, like, I remember being in school and just seeing, like, I don't know, a, a bit of flesh or, oh, fucking hell. If I saw, um, I think like, it's called a whale tail, basically when like a girl's thong is kind of pulled up and you can see like uh, the top of it kind of like, over their school trousers or whatever. Honestly, like, at school, I was fucking constantly walking around with a hard-on and like as soon as I got home, <laughs> I mean, it, sometimes it was even before I got home, like on the bus or... Um, 
like getting off um getting off the bus and uh like t- two or three stops earlier just so I could go like <laughs> the long route home and basically just have a wank somewhere before I got home like honestly like my fucking oh like the urges I had when I was a teenager were absolutely crazy now not to mention that I grew up in a cult which you know anything to do with like masturbation or um you know like pleasure in in that aspect at all was like a big big no no like really kind of what's the word I'm looking for not just frowned upon but was like a big sin like it was really like you, basically, you would get in a lot of trouble if um, the elders of that cult knew that you were masturbating. You, you'd get in a lot of trouble. So, you know, couple these urges with, like, you know, all that shame and all that programming of, like, you know, my body just, you know, I, I need to come and, you know, I want to explore like, my cock and, you know, all, all of those things while at the same time having all these thoughts and this conditioning about I shouldn't be doing this, this is wrong, Um, Jehovah would be like really unhappy with me and angry with me and, you know, like I'm just bad for feeling this way, I I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to recognise that you know that that could um that could have affected me <laughs> in my teenage years um and really kind of had a negative impact in my uh, kind of more present years anyway so you know as a young boy growing up really you know having all these urges and stuff and our hormones kind of like all over the place i it, i i truly believe it's so so important that we have you know, a a male role role model in our lives that we can just go to and, and speak speak about this stuff. You know, the the things that we're feeling going on in our body, and and when we can't speak to you know um like a a, a male role model about this, it kind of breeds shame. It's you know, especially as a teenager. You know, you think of how difficult school is anyway um you know especially around anything to do with kind of sexuality and, and masturbation um and you know as, as young lads it's not something that you talk to each other about so like you know what what are you meant to do you just have to try and figure it out on your own and you know that that's that's really not great having all this like energy and you know these kind of urges and and the you know your hormones like all over the place and and trying to figure out something as powerful as that just on your own now as you kind of grow up and you know <laughs> definitely uh, this is true for me but growing up and you know obviously having the conditioning that I had around like sexuality but not just me you know I obviously 
religion and you know what I grew up in had a hugely negative impact. But I, I truly believe that every boy and, and every man um, feels shame around their sexuality because, like I said, you know, from one generation to the next, m- men don't talk about this stuff openly with their kids. And, you know, what? I think that these types of conversations, now I can completely understand how challenging they must be for a dad to speak to you know, his son about this kind of stuff, especially if, if his dad didn't speak to him about it. But, you know, it, it's got to take someone to kind of, you know, b- break that pattern and break that cycle and just, you know, be vulner- vulnerable enough to be able to actually have these conversations like with your children. Um, and you think about it when you go into like your first kind of serious quote unquote relationship um, maybe you know 17, 18, 19, 20 maybe um, and then you're obviously faced with you know the challenges of relationships which every human being struggles with to begin with um, but also, you know, all, all these urges and these fantasies and desires, like, they're there in full force, and because we've never been able to speak about this stuff with someone, not early on, obviously we, we now feel shame around it, so we feel like we have to hide these parts of ourselves, so when we enter into a relationship, th- this is where um, a lot of men struggle, and I absolutely struggled. So, I struggled to um, see, like, the kind of sex that I wanted to have and a, a loving relationship. I struggled to see them as one thing. The way I saw it was... The kind of sex that I wanted to have, you know, that kind of real dirty, primal, raw, just, you know, I just want to like fuck your brains out and I want to do this and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. From, you know, being in a loving relationship and, you know, like making love with your partner. I, I thought they were two different things. And... What this done was it it left me feeling like there was I was two people. It left me feeling like the kind of raw sexual primal side of me was one side of Dan, and the um kind, caring, loving Dan was. Another side of me, and I, I, I didn't see them as just me, and and because of that, I never actually allowed my partner to really see, you know, me as a sexual being. I, I just and because I had so much shame around, you know, certain aspects of my sexuality, you know, some of my desires and fantasies and um, the, the kind of sex I wanted to have and. Uh, the things that I wanted to say, you know, while having sex and, you know, like the, the kind of real, um, 
you know, the, the, the kind of real vulnerable um, sex that uh, I suppose you imagine when you're masturbating and you can kind of just uh, sink into that fantasy and um, really kind of explore the things that you want to say and the things that you want to do, like, in your mind. I I, I never believed that I could experience those thoughts and fantasies and desires and all of that in a in a real relationship with someone um and and yes a lot of that was due to the fact that you know I had so much shame around sexuality um but I was also terrified of being re- rejected I was I was terrified of being judged and you know, to me, it, it was so scary thinking about letting my partner see this part of me because, in my mind, I I already had the belief that, you know, these parts of me were weird or uh, perverted or um, different. Like, n- nobody else thought about, you know, the, the kind of things that I think about. Um and the only reason I thought all that was, yes, obviously growing up in a cult, but, you know, more so the fact that I never was able to communicate any of this stuff with anyone. You know, it, it was always uh, just fantasies that were just living in my head. Um, and, you know, that, that's not always a bad thing, but if every single fantasy we have just lives, you know, in our head then 99% of the time we will have shame around it because, you know, we feel like we have to hide this stuff. And the truth is, especially over these last two or three years, but even more so the last year to 18 months, you know, the amount of work I've done around really learning to... uh, get to know these parts of me, uh, really look at, you know, the kind of fantasies that I have and the desires I have and um, the things I think about when I masturbate and what turns me on. Like, for instance, um, in one of my therapy sessions, I was saying to my therapist, like, say, for instance, I'm, I'm driving down the street and I see, like, an attractive female, Instantly, my mind will go to fantasy mode. And if I allow it to, I I can really go into that fantasy and just completely zone out and, like, immerse myself into that fantasy rather than, you know, be present while I'm driving. And because I had some shame around, you know, just, you know, the things that I thought and... um, you know, seeing someone attractive and the thoughts that would come to my mind and the fantasies that would play out, part of me felt felt like I was hiding things like that from Charis. And I, I said to my therapist, I was like, you know, I, I want Charis to really get to know all of me. And, you know, I'm I'm finally at a point now where I actually feel ready to, you know, just 
remove the mask, bear all, and just, you know, really let her see me. Um, and she said to me, you know, like, you don't have to share every thought and every fantasy with your partner. You don't. Which, you know, when she said that to me at first, I was like, well, that's interesting because, you know, because of all the shame I've had around sexuality, it feels like I'm hiding things, but actually I'm not. You know, these are just normal things that everybody thinks about and, and feels that you are allowed to keep to yourself. On the other hand, I've always kept, you know, a lot of my kind of deepest, darkest fantasies um, to myself. So, you know, for me to have a a real um, kind of intimate, close, uh, connected relationship, I... I wanted to share those parts of me with Charis. And it's funny, like, when we started speaking about it and, you know, opening up that conversation, to begin with, it, it felt a little... Um, I was nervous and embarrassed and was like, oh, you know, do I really need to, you know, talk about this stuff with her? And um, But as soon as we started opening up that conversation... And I, obviously, I can't go into t- into too much detail because, you know, believe it or not, Charis is actually quite a private person. So I'm gonna have to make sure I only speak about my stuff. But, um, yeah, what well, once once we actually opened up that conversation, it was actually a turn on being able to speak about you know the kind of things that turn me on with my partner with you know with someone that really loves me because it's it's something that I've never done before. You know, I, I'd never been in a relationship with someone where I'd actually allowed them to really see like the um the deepest, kind of darkest, most vulnerable parts of my sexuality. And you know the the, the more I done this and the more I allowed her to see these parts of me, the more our um uh what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 closer we got because it enabled her to actually voice some things to me that you know hearing her say was like fucking hell that yeah that had turned me on. So what I actually done was you know by by me really learning to um, own and accept my uh, I like the word perversions because. Um, I, I want to take the power back uh, from that word because when you think of the word perversions, a lot of people think of it as like, you know, a bad thing. And just like the word slut, the, the way women have kind of taken the power back of that word and, and, you know, they use it in an empowering way now. I want to use pervert and perversions in an empowering way now. So, you know, by by really accepting and owning my perversions really brought us closer together and actually like this year we've had some of the best sex that I've ever had because it's with someone that not only do I really really love but it's the kind of sex that I've never had before because I've never had you know 
that kind of raw, primal sex with someone that I love. I, I've never done it. I've never allowed myself to do it because it, it felt too, uh, too risky. Uh, the, the potential rejection was far too great for me to even think about, you know, letting her see that side of me. And in any relationship, because I, I could have that type of sex, um, you know, on like a one night stand or whatever outside of the relationship, but never in the relationship. And and really what this has done is enabled me to actually recognise and not only just recognise, but actually bring all of myself into the relationship instead of only allowing certain parts of me to be in the relationship, which actually you know comes with its own problems because whether your partner actually voices it or not that you know women are highly intuitive they can sense when you're half in and half out and as much as you may want to really fully be in they can sense that you're not and and it's not because you don't want to be it's because you have so much shame and like huge fears of rejection and and judgment around certain parts of you. And as soon as you actually start working through that stuff and really start opening up about these parts of yourself, you know, in a um, safe environment, like um, with your therapist. um, Hi, I'm just putting my hand up here. Um, (laughs) This is the kind of work that I do. Um. But yeah, once you actually have that non-judgmental space to be able to talk about these things that, you know, you actually have shame around, with another human being, you actually start to recognise that, oh, like this isn't anything to be um, ashamed of. Like This is just part of me, just part of my sexuality. Now... I do want to talk about something that actually really, really bothers me. And this is by no means me um, putting women down at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I I think it's, um, as men, we need to look to women um, for the work that they've been doing around this. But you think of... um, the narrative around male sexuality. You know, it's dirty, it's perverted, sleazy, dangerous. You know, that th- these are all the kind of words that get thrown around when uh, male sexuality has been spoken about. Now, you think about female sexuality and you think about the words that are, th- that are uh, thrown around in regards to female sexuality empowering she's so liberated sexy you know all these kind of um positive words now it wasn't always like that there there are a lot of women now really doing the work to own their sexuality so they actually can um liberate themselves from that kind of societal shame that's always been put on them and unfortunately, now men have fallen so far behind that 
when a lot of men actually see women now being um, fully expressed in their sexuality, it actually causes a lot of men to um, react in a negative way towards them. You know, calling them whores and sluts and saying things like, oh, I bet your father's proud and, you know, all that kind of fucking just nonsense, essentially. And that only comes from, obviously, their own shame. So I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm not bashing men here. Instead, I think as men, we could look at women and especially um, women that, and, uh, look, I'm, I'm not just saying that women that kind of uh, flaunt themselves over social media are the only ones that are sexually liberated. I'm, I'm not saying that, but... What I am saying is, just as an example, you know, women that you can actually see from the get-go that are sexually liberated and really enjoy expressing their sexuality and are are having fun and, you know, turn themselves on by, you know, just wearing sexy underwear and, you know, taking sexy pictures and putting them online and all that kind of stuff. I think, as men, we can learn a lot from women, Instead of, you know, instantly feeling that kind of, um, that kind of jolt of like, oh, like what the who the fuck does she think she is? Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, she's a slut. She's a whore. You know, if we can actually um, take a second, breathe, and sit with our judgment, and get curious as to why we are judging that woman or those women that, you know, we might see when we're scrolling and really start to look inside ourselves. Because, look, I... And I'll probably speak about this, uh, you know, definitely over the next couple of days because I've actually ordered myself a couple of sex toys and this is something that I really want to speak about because... When you see sex toys being advertised, how often do you see a sex toy being advertised by a man? And if you do, nine times out of ten, it's a gay man advertising it, which is great, absolutely amazing. You know, I, I, I think that that's so empowering that gay men are advertising sex toys. Like, more power to them. But again... Where do straight men come into this? And I probably wouldn't identify as 100% straight. Um, Predominantly straight, but anyway, that's besides the point. What I'm trying to say is, how often do you see uh, straight men advertising sex toys? You don't. You know, women have, like Anne Summers parties, for instance, where they all get together and you know, have fun talking about and feeling and playing with all these different sex toys and buying them and, you know, talking about the ones that they've got and the ones that they want to buy and like how good they feel and, and all of that kind of stuff. When, when and where do men have the space to be able to do that? They don't. So again, you know, if, for instance... Uh, you know, a, a man wants to buy a sex toy. 
not only is there no one that he can really speak to about it, you know, in, in the same way that women would go to their friends and, and speak about it, you know, just openly without it being this big, heavy topic. But they also feel like they have to kind of hide it, you know, and they may even feel like they have to hide it from their partner, which is, like, it's so sad. Like, it, it's, it's sad to think that, you know, Men have so much shame around their sexuality and essentially around like, their pleasure. Like, are men not entitled to, you know, pleasure that doesn't involve their wives? Of, of course we are. The same way that women are entitled to pleasure that doesn't involve their, you know, husbands or boyfriends or whatever. Um, and I... I I just, I want us as men to get to a point where, you know, we can be as open um, about our sexuality and, you know, pleasure as what women are. Because I, I think it's, it's so, so important. And for so many men, like, it's, it's one of the biggest things that we struggle with in our lives. Sexuality and our fantasies and desires and, you know, th the things that we think about on a day-to-day -day basis. The things that we believe make us bad or, um, you know, we can't let our partner know about this side of us because, you know, it's... Because she probably already has this, um, you know, the same narrative in her, in, in her head that society... Uh, at large has, you know, around it being dirty and perverted and sleazy and uh, all men want is sex. And so, you know, f for a man to be able to go to his partner and actually open up about these, uh, you know, open up these conversations with her takes so much courage. And I, I just, I wish it didn't because, I mean, look, sex is amazing. Like, masturbation is amazing. Like, pleasure. Like, you know, we have these amazing bodies that give us so much pleasure and yet we're depriving ourselves of, like, the kind of pleasure that, especially the kind of pleasure that doesn't involve shame and instead involves connection and, like, deep intimacy and, and love with our, with our partners. Um, and unfortunately... This is what I truly believe, and it certainly was in my case, is why men look outside of their relationship to fulfil those desires and fantasies. Because, you know, they also believe, exactly the same as I did, that that raw, primal, like, I just want to fuck you and do X, Y, and Z, you know, that just, that real primal instinct that men have, that testosterone-fueled sex isn't allowed inside of a healthy, loving relationship because he'll be judged and he'll be shamed and he'll be labelled perverted and, you know, all of this stuff. And it's such a shame because, you know, when you're able to actually get to a point where you can open up these conversations and really start experiencing that kind of sex with your partner, like, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It really has been for me and Cheris... Because as I say, I've, I've never experienced that kind of sex before in my life, ever. Because I've only had it as like one night stands or, 
you know, friends with ben- friends with benefits type situations, which was great. You know, was absolutely amazing. But I got I got to a point where I I didn't just want to think about the kind of sex that I'd had when I wasn't in a relationship because it 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 left me feeling like um, ashamed of the fact that that was the kind of sex I wanted and I wasn't having and I wasn't having it because I was too ashamed to open up the conversations around it. So, you know, look, this is a conversation that I'm going to be speaking a lot about because I think for men, it's something that we struggle with the most and we don't have to, we don't have to struggle as much as we do with this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, like if you've got any thoughts or feelings about any of this that I've spoken about, um, drop me a message on Instagram at authentically Dan. Um, and most of all, like I just hope this has helped. I, I hope just listening to what I've had to say has made you realize that, you know, you're not bad and it's nothing to be ashamed of and, you know, you actually can bring that side of you into a healthy, loving relationship.